This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 4th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. What role should the Fed play in bailing out banks? Cato Institute Senior Fellow Gerald P. O'Driscoll, former vice president at both the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas and Citigroup, says the Fed, in its role as central banker, is moving into uncharted territory. There is a belief that this broker activity engaged in by the Fed is perhaps appropriate because the moral hazard issue associated with uh, Bear Stearns had essentially been done away with by the precipitous decline of the company's share price. Do you agree with that? Partly. I mean, um, it's very difficult to second-guess a central bank that's engaged in a lender of last resort uh, uh, activity because uh, presumably, at least at the moment they're doing it, they have some information that's not generally available, and they also have limited options. But um, that deal, the way it was done, uh, was very reminiscent of long-term capital management in 1998, where there was a willing second bidder that somehow got pushed out and uh, in, in favor of, of a bid that was, well, in, in that case, it was more favorable to the shareholders of LTCM. But it was Fed involvement, picking who was going to get the company and at what price. And that begins to look like crony capitalism. It's something we criticize a lot when government institutions do this in other countries. And also the Fed has this position of being partly public and partly private, a banker's bank, but also a governmental institution. And in what role were they acting? If they were acting as a governmental institution, then they were, in, 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 in essence, it was force majeure. They were dictating a contract. It wasn't a private contractual situation. If, if they were acting as, as the banker's bank and more on the private side, then they were interfering with contractual activity as a private agent, which is problematic. Um, the information I have is that there were other bidders that would have come forth as early as the following Tuesday. So you wonder why this thing had to be rushed over the weekend, and, and in the end it had to be rene- renegotiated anyway. At $10 a share, you've, you've got the moral hazard problem back in. I see. Now, looking into the oracle and deciding, okay, there was no moral hazard issue, is there a second moral hazard issue associated with the Fed taking a bunch of bad debt onto its books? There's a problem with the Fed taking, you know, the Fed has always traditionally uh, demanded a variety of, uh, of, of, of backstops and guarantees so that it doesn't suffer losses on its own balance sheet because that ultimately is a loss to the taxpayer. Uh, because uh, all income outside of expenses that the Fed earns uh, uh, go go get paid to the Treasury. So, um, yeah, it's taken on apparently taken on significant risk on its balance sheet, at least for a time being. Uh, that's not so much moral hazard as it's just questionable policy. Uh, there would be nothing wrong with their trading as part of the lender of last resort trading more liquid securities for less liquid securities, which is what they've been doing, but they've been taking what are called haircuts. They haven't given full value on the illiquid securities in case, uh, you know, there's an adverse price movement, they have some protection. Um, So they are definitely moving into uncharted waters and definitely putting uh, the taxpayer at risk. said a big problem would be if uh, the Fed were not willing to take responsibility for its own actions. 
Oh, well, I, what I meant was uh, the refusal to see the connection between the very um, easy monetary policy, the low interest rate policy, the policy of keeping interest rates at 1% uh, for a long period of, or close to 1% for a long period of time, uh, and uh, the credit bubble, credit created asset bubble that resulted, uh, part of which was uh, uh, the mortgage situation. And, uh, and then it's at least par paradoxical that then the agency that did that would then get more power because, <laughs> because it's the same thing that actually happened in the Great Depression. I mean, I think it's pretty settled opinion among economists today that the Fed caused the Great Depression, and yet the outcome of it was a vastly increased power for the, uh, and centralization within the Fed. They also, I mean, you know, libertarians are not very enamored of regulation, but nonetheless, for 10 years, they've had statutory authority to regulate mortgage lending uh, for purposes of consumer protection and fraud, against fraud, and, and just decided they didn't want to do it. Now, that, you know, that, that's a rule of law problem. I mean, it may be bad law, but agencies are not supposed to go around deciding which law they enforce and which law they don't enforce. Given that the the Fed has uh, uh, lowered rates several times since September, yes, yes, from five and a quarter to uh, present. Now, yeah, right, and in, in, in pretty rapidly, yes, indeed, since the uh, beginning in September of last year, yes. Banks have not really sought to put that money back out into the economy. It seems like it's almost taking uh, a trick out of your magic bag throwing it into the air and watching it sort of vanish. Is there a risk that the Fed will run out of moves? There's always ways for the Fed to, uh, to affect policy. Uh, the current situation is not primarily a situation of a lack of liquidity in the economy. Um, and the cutting of interest rates and the use of open market operations is the classic response to uh, a liquidity problem to a weak economy. Um, this certainly didn't start as a weak economy, and I still I would maintain there's no evidence, no compelling evidence that we're actually in a recession. The goods part of the economy, the industrial sector, manufacturing is very strong, uh, and um, and the Fed's uh, current low interest rate policy is a response to a situation of economic weakness. What what the banks are facing is they're short on capital and they're highly risk averse because. They don't want to lend to each other, primarily because they, they all know what's on their balance sheet, and they assume the same bad assets are on, on the balance sheets of other banks. But if you look at prime borrowers, uh, low-risk borrowers, whether it is commercial or homeowners, interest rates are falling for those groups, and credit is available to those groups. So it's a matter of risk aversion. And that isn't necessarily bad. It's, we're coming out of a situation where there wasn't enough attention to risk. People were not risk-averse enough. Lenders were not risk-averse enough. Borrowers were not risk-averse enough. And in human affairs, pendulums tend to swing, and you go from one extreme to another, and eventually it'll settle back into some kind of credit normalcy. And that's all done through markets, not through government policy. I get the uh, the issue is sort of the finding the bottom in a sense of banks aversion. Yeah, one of the big problems that makes them averse uh, to lend uh, aggressively uh, or to just to lend 
is they can't, they literally can't price some of these assets, and um, or or they have to pick the accountants correctly are making them pick very conservative. Uh, pricing of the assets when there's great doubt about what the price should be. And until they can get these assets priced, um, the system won't clear. But, but some of, and part of the problem is some of these assets don't actually trade. Um, they're derivatives that are called off exchange. They don't trade on a regular basis. They're trying to price them with models. The models have fallen apart, as they did in the long-term capital management uh, crisis, I might add. Um, but in terms of these mortgage securities uh, that are tradable assets, um, eventually, uh, a, you know, a bottom will be hit. Uh, they'll get a price at which the assets clear, and uh, and that's the point at which uh, activity resumes. And what I worry about with the Fed taking these assets on their own balance sheets is they're going to hold them, they're going to overhang the market. And the market won't clear as long as the Fed is holding those assets. It's much like uh, what happened with the physical assets in the banking crisis in the 90s, where the um, RTC, the government agency and instrumentality of the government, took a lot of, uh, in that case it was commercial uh, building, on their books and held it for years. And, and the markets wouldn't clear. And commercial activity ceased until the RTC said, we're going to dump this, um, these assets uh, on the market and get whatever price we can. And then things hit bottom and, and the market started working again. Very quickly, I might add. I was in Texas when all this went on. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Gerald P. O'Driscoll is a former vice president at both the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas and Citigroup. You can read more of his writings on monetary policy at Cato.org.